From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, Mark Vail here. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. Bud, we're going to have a, a little short and inter, uh, initial segment here because we've uh, lined up. Congressman Mike Flood's going to join us on our deep dive. A lot to talk with him about. Uh, but you've got some LIBA events coming up in the very near future. Let's get through those. Yeah, um, you know, we like to provide our members with the opportunity to come out and and network together and, you know, a little social time and a little educational time all at the same. Uh, and we've got a couple of biz, or, uh, events coming up here in the next couple of weeks we just want to make sure everybody's aware about on thursday june the 8th we're going to have our monthly biznet our business after hours event it's going to be over at the whitehead oil headquarters over there on randolph they've got a little meeting space there and we really appreciate mark whitehead's our board chair this year we appreciate him and the folks at whitehead oil and you stop inviting us over um, that runs from 4 30 to 6 30 p.m I would also tell you that it's a good opportunity to invite a friend. If you're a LIBA member, uh, invite a friend or a colleague or, you know, the person with the office next door to you. Invite them and, and help them learn about what LIBA is all about so they can get to know us and, and the things that we do to support them. And then the other great opportunity that we have in June, I'm very excited about, is at our luncheon on June 20th. Um, we have our monthly luncheon from 1130 to 1 over in the Jasmine Room at the Grand Manse. Uh, on the, again, that's Tuesday, June the 20th. Uh, and our speaker this, this month is going to be Matt Davison. And Matt is running the 1890 initiative, which is this name, image, and likeness that we've talked about here in the past on the Lincoln Business Beat. And Matt's going to talk about how you as a small business owner can get involved and how this might help your business to promote your business, get athletes involved in your business, how you can interact with the athletes, and what you can do to support that as we uh, tread our way through this name, image, and likeness that uh, I think everybody's trying to figure out, both athletic departments, business people, donors, athletes. So I think this is a good opportunity. Matt has a unique perspective. He's been a student athlete here at Nebraska. Um, he's been an employee at the University of Nebraska in the athletic department in multiple ways. And now he's with the 1890 Initiative to help with this name, image, and likeness. So a great opportunity to come and learn. And, uh, you know, I talked to Matt, and he said he might even answer a question or two about Nebraska football if anybody has them, which is always a good, a good opportunity to interact with them. Well, this is the type of thing that uh, these discussions and finding out the information, because quite frankly, in the, the big scheme of things, in the big time frame, uh, NIL is really kind of in its infancy, and it's still in that uh, stage that it's growing, and uh, it's not as much what we know about it, but what we don't know and what will develop. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to evolve, and you know, um, speakers like Matt coming to our luncheon really drive home the mission of LIBA. Um, one of one of the co key components of our mission is to in to educate our members and to provide educational opportunities for them to learn more about what they can do to grow their business, expand their business, and market their business, and how to do that. So, you know, when we can always be driving toward the mission, that's important for us. So, I'm excited to have Matt uh, come out and talk to us. 
When we go on our deep dive next with Congressman Mike Flood, we've got two primary topics we want to talk with him about. <laughs> yeah, Congressman Flood's got a lot going on this week. Um, and probably by the time the podcast airs, both the votes that we're going to talk to the congressman about are are going to have happened. But um, the first one is his first bill that he's introduced uh, in the House of Representatives is called the Equal Opportunity for All Investors Act of 2023. And it's actually amending the Securities Act of 1933. So we're amending something that's 30 or 90 years old. Um, and it's an opportunity on how people can invest in business. And so I'm excited to hear from Congressman Flood about what's going on in that bill uh, and how he sees moving forward and all those types of things. The second thing I think everybody Everybody that's been awake for the last probably month has heard about the debt ceiling and the vote that's going to happen in Washington, D.C. And and I reached out to Congressman Flood and just said, hey, we'd like to talk to you about this so that we can hear and understand what's going on. You know, I didn't say it to him this way, but from our perspective, Mark, we'd like to talk about how the sausage gets made. And I think we're going to get one of the chefs (laughs) that's making the sausage to come in and help us prepare it and understand what's been going on in Washington. Um, It's probably not all the talking points that you hear, you know, on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. It's we're going to get deep into it with him on what's really happening. Yeah, we're not uh, taking this as if it's a one minute or a three minute uh, news bite or interview, as you see. Uh, a lot of these people on national uh, cable networks or, or TV or even less time than that. We're going to go deep into this subject and, and really go um, into all the, the possibilities and the work that was done behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I that's what I think is great about having these great relationships. You know, again, I get back to our mission educate our members about what's happening with our elected officials and educate elected officials about the important role that small business plays. So I'm excited to to get Congressman Flood on here and, and really appreciate the fact that he would call in from Washington while he's working not only on his Equal Opportunity for All Investors Act of 2023, also the work that's going on with the debt ceiling. So I'm excited to hear from him. And a lot more than that. Exactly. And uh, We'll go deep with Congressman Mike Flood in just a moment. Do you need help financing, uh, finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery, trucks, or other equipment for your business? Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, and other big-ticket items. And whether you're replacing old machines or expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get that financing. It's secure, free to use, gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com and fill out an application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Bottom line, Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC, doing business as currency. Pursuant to CFL License 60DBO-54873. Welcome back on Lincoln Business Beat. This week, our deep dive is with Congressman Mike Flood. Welcome to the Lincoln Business Beat, Congressman. Well, it's great to be here. Good morning to you, too. There's uh, Mr. Seinhorst with us as well. <laughs> well, Congressman, it's good to talk to you. I appreciate you taking some time from uh, your office in D.C. to call in and, and visit this week on, on the Business Beat. And it's a good week to have you on because you, um, first of all, have a bill. Uh, as we're recording this, you have a bill that's going to be up for a vote here soon. 
and it's to amend the Securities Act of 1933. And talk to us a little bit about your bill uh, and uh, what it might be. You're calling it the Equal Opportunity for All Investors Act of 2023. Talk to us about that and what that means. Well, when people want to enter the capital markets, they want to invest in businesses. Uh, Often uh, under the federal law, you have to be a quote-unquote accredited investor. And usually that means you have a net worth of more than a million dollars or an income uh, and or an income combined with your uh, spouse of $300,000 plus. And that has been what has qualified people to be a quote-unquote accredited investor. This law that I'm working to pass basically says, hey, if you can pass a test administered by FINRA, uh, you can qualify yourself as accredited investor to make sure that you understand the risks that present themselves in any kind of investment. And I don't think that your access, a person's access to our capital markets should depend on what their financial statement says. Uh, it should depend on your ability to um, know and understand the risks associated with an investment so that you know people don't get hurt, uh, but more importantly, that you can grow wealth. And uh, that's what this bill does. It expands that definition um, to include individuals that are certified through an exam written by the SEC and administered by FINRA. Excellent. So uh, you are a member of the Financial Services Committee, if I recall correctly. Um, and, and it sounds like this is something that's kind of come through that. And are you working with other members and, and through the committee? And talk to us about that process. We, I think we kind of understand the process here in the legislature uh, in Nebraska, but just kind of talk through that process with us um, from, a, from a standpoint in the House of Representatives. And then obviously in our two-house system, we'll have to go to the Senate and how you work that and all that, how that works. Well, I think people would be surprised to know that the first thing I did when I wanted to introduce this bill, I obviously worked with our chairman on the Republican side, and then I reached out to a a member on the Democratic side, Wiley Nickel from North Carolina. He's also somewhat new to the uh, Financial Services Committee, and between our two offices, we're able to convince both sides, Republicans and Democrats, that this bill was a good idea, and uh, it was read yesterday on uh, through the rules process, and I have every reason to believe that by the time this podcast airs, uh, the House will have passed this act and uh, will head hopefully over uh, to a conference committee with the Senate, uh, provided that they're able to do something here in the next year. And then we'll bring it back, hopefully, for, uh, you know, if the Senate passes it in its current form, uh, it'll head to the president. So I think people would like to know that, you know, in, in order to introduce something and get it passed, you have to work with both sides to make sure that um, you know you can find that sweet spot where both Republicans and Democrats will agree to it. Excellent. So um, it's it's kind of fascinating the difference between a two house system and our unicameral, which you're fo- familiar with both now. Um, so have you talked to members in the Senate about this at all? Have you started to reach out? Or is that something that will happen after you pass the bill and it goes to the the conference committee to go to the Senate? Well, this bill does have the support of uh, our financial services chairman and the ranking member, member, Maxine Waters. And so uh, they are communicating at the chairman level and the ranking member level with the Senate Banking Committee uh, to talk about, you know, what our two committees are doing. 
Senate has a lot of bills it wants passed. The House has a certain number of bills we want passed. And uh, there is a meeting set between those two different committee uh, chairs uh, later this year that will kind of determine where we're where we meet in the middle on. That doesn't mean that I won't take every opportunity to bend Deb Fisher and Pete Ricketts here at the Nebraska Breakfast to tell them what a good idea this would be. I'm sure you you might have a number to get a hold of them or a way to talk to them yeah. on a pretty regular basis. So, has there been any pushback on what you're trying to do? As you've, I mean, one of the things I've always appreciated about you as a legislator, Congressman, is you do your due diligence through the process. It's not like you just wake up one morning, write a bill, and drop it. You you go through your processes. You reach out to people. Uh, what are some things? Have you had any pushback on this, or what are are there any areas of concern that have been expressed to you as you've moved forward in, in presenting this bill? Well, no, and I think that's mostly due to the the work we did up front to make sure that we were communicating. Were there some tweaks that we made through the process? Uh, we had to make sure that, you know, that the SEC and FINRA understood what Congress's intent would be if we passed this, and that's that, you know, somebody that can pass this exam uh would be an accredited investor and uh, understand that, you know, the SEC ultimately is going to be writing the test. And we, we had a long conversation about what it is we thought we should be testing for. And, um, you know, all that stuff was done mostly, uh, I would say at the beginning of this calendar year, so that when it, the, the bill came to the committee for markup, um, everybody was on the same page and, you know, in a perfect world, that's how legislation should work. Um, there is obviously, and you can watch it on television every day, bills that don't meet with the consent of both parties, which is what we have a Congress for. Um, and things have to be sorted out on the floor. But, you know, for this bill uh, in the committee that I'm on, uh, it just made sense to do most of the work ahead of time and then bring it to the table as a unanimous package. Excellent. Well, uh, good work on this. And I think, you know, as we as we read through this in preparation and also uh, in talking with you, I, I like what you're doing here because you're you're saying the market and the ability to invest in a business is for anyone um that can meet this these minimum standards with this test it, it's not just based on sometimes wealth doesn't equal knowledge and wealth doesn't equal power and all those kind of things um but it really opens up uh for a lot of different people who maybe have the uh, intellectual capacity to understand what they're doing, but maybe you know their balance sheet or their their personal wealth doesn't meet what was passed here. Well, it looks like ninety years ago. So, um, kudos to you and thank you for doing that. And we look forward to uh, watching this as it goes through the process. We always talk about how the sausage gets made on the Lincoln Business Beat. So, uh, you've given us a good. Uh, I'll talk about, I'll call it a recipe for how this uh, particular sausage is being processed. So uh, we appreciate that. We'll keep watching for that. And then one kind of just last question on this topic, Congressman, is how long do you think until it'll get through the conference committee to the Senate and a vote? Do you have any kind of idea of what that well, may look like? The way it, this is, something different than in the Nebraska legislature. Uh, Congress really looks at its two-year term. Um, so the 118th Congress doesn't doesn't end until January 2nd, 2025. So 
So uh, it would not be at all a surprise if bills like this uh, don't get considered, you know, or get considered in October of 2024. Uh, it's not a, you know, this is not a process designed uh, to be easy for bills to pass. And that's one of the reasons we have such a stable government is that uh, it is hard to, to make policy changes. But it could be October, November of 2024 before um, this heads over to the president's desk. But that's all part of the process. Excellent. Well, that means uh, here on the Lincoln Business Beat, we are ahead of the curve. We like to do that. You so. are ahead of the curve. <laughs> I'm excited. And congratulations on uh, putting together this first uh, piece of legislation that uh, you're presenting to the House. And uh, we'll hope that all goes well. So we appreciate that. Um, now we'll uh, kind of transition, I guess, into the other topic, I think, of interest. Uh, well, this is the big topic everyone seems to be talking about uh, w- with relation to the House and what's going on. And there's been a lot of talk about the debt ceiling and the vote that's that's pending. I'm sure by the time that this podcast posts, uh, there will have been a vote and hopefully we're moving forward on that. But could you start out and just make sure and kind of give our listeners kind of the 30,000 foot view on what this vote is really all about? What what is this debt ceiling vote really mean? And, and what are the important things for the average person here in Lincoln or whoever's listening to our podcast? Uh, what what's kind of the 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 30,000 foot view of the debt ceiling vote? Well, so America is about $31.4 trillion in debt. And Congress has set uh, limits on the amount of money that the U.S. Treasury can borrow to pay the bills uh, of the American people and our government. Uh, We are up against that debt ceiling, according to the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, which means that we have to either increase the limit that would allow uh, the U.S. Treasury to continue to borrow money or uh, we default. And if we were to default on our debt, it would be the first time in our nation's history that we didn't have enough money to pay our bills. Um, And that would mean that Social Security checks would not go out. It would mean that veterans' benefits and veterans' hospitals would not have enough money to run. It would mean that our treasuries, you know, the, the most stable financial investment in the world is the U.S. Treasury. Every single bank in the nation goes to bed at night with their money stuck in treasuries to protect the people's money. And banks all over the world and businesses all over the world use U.S. Treasuries because we are the most stable um, and sophisticated uh, country in the world. Uh, much of the world relies on um, our financial system. And defaulting would put that all in jeopardy, and it would be a huge coup for countries like China uh, to take advantage of the, just the diplomacy that comes with running the world's monetary system. So uh, the question before Congress is, uh, will we raise the debt ceiling? And as Republicans, we passed a bill, the Limit Save Grow Act, earlier this year, and now we are we are to the point where this uh, negotiation with President Biden and the Senate is up for a vote. And uh, the proposal that we've put together does include uh, stopping out of control inflationary spending. Uh, we're cutting spending year over year, which has not been done 
in the history of the United States, including a rollback of non-defense discretionary spending back to FY22 levels, while fully funding VA medical services, Social Security, and Medicare. Uh, we are going to enact um, reforms to uh, SNAP and TANF to save taxpayer dollars, get Americans back to work. We're going to claw back tens of billions of dollars in unspent COVID funds, rein in executive overreach, uh, cut red tape, and streamline energy and infrastructure projects. This is something that I'm really excited about because we have seen firsthand in Nebraska how these environmental impact analysis reviews have set aside huge highway projects for years and years and years. We're going to get these things back on track. Uh, it makes people starting to have to pay back their student loans. That saves us $5 billion a month getting people to start paying their student loans again, which seems ridiculous that we even had to negotiate for that. And ultimately, it protects our seniors and our veterans. Uh, so I think at the end of the day, we have put together a compromise that, uh, number one, saves taxpayer dollars. Number two, raises the debt ceiling so that America can pay its bills. And I know there are things that Americans would like to see done. We have to remember, we only have the House of Representatives. The White House and the Senate are controlled by Democrats. The fact that we're even at this point with this compromise means that, uh, you know, we have played a, a hand that has resulted in tax savings for taxpayer money savings. Uh, for Americans. And quite frankly, um, I think it's a great deal given that we have clearly um, a very difficult road with the Senate and the White House, both belonging to Democrats. Excellent. So uh, just a couple of things. Uh, so we're raising the debt ceiling. To, what's the what's the cap going to become? I, if I, I missed that, I apologize. But what what are we raising the, the debt ceiling to? Is that part of this package? Have we defined a number there? It does raise the debt ceiling, uh, and it takes it to January, gives the Treasury the ability to, to borrow what it needs to pay the bills while reducing spending um, until July, uh, January of 2025. Now, that number may change because there are, oh, all sorts of amendments being talked about right now. But it does allow the federal government to borrow the money it needs to fund the budget uh, uh, into the near future. So I know, and, and I just want to kind of clarify, and I think I've got this correctly, but in the past we've heard about government shutdowns and, you know, the federal government, you know, shutting down non-essential workers, uh, don't come to work, etc. This isn't that, Correct. Do I have that correct? Like, we're not talking, if this bill does, does not pass, that we're not talking about a government shutdown. That's related to the budget, not the debt ceiling. Is that correct? That's right. This is uh, authorizing the U.S. Treasury to be able to um, borrow funds to meet the obligations that the American government uh, has, has previously and, and currently agreed to. So uh, this is the equivalent of basically... And, and this speaks to the problem. Before I got here, before you know this Congress started, the United States uh, has been spending trillions of dollars, especially in light of all the COVID funding and everything that happened there. Uh, these are obligations that have already been 
made by the Congress, and we have to have the money to meet our obligations, to send out the Social Security checks, to, to handle all the Medicare and the veterans' benefits. And uh, it's, not a, it's not a government shutdown where the, the budget's in jeopardy today. Um, it's really, truly about the fact that we lose our line of credit if we don't uh, make a change to the um, limits already imposed by Congress on our ability to fund the Treasury using debt. Excellent. So I just wanted to clear that, clarify that for our listeners, because I know there's been uh, some, I'll call it coffee shop and water cooler talk that I've heard, um, kind of questioning whether this means a, a government shutdown might be happening or not. So thank you for, for that clarification. So um, we heard a lot over the last week about uh, Speaker McCarthy and President Biden have been having meetings. They've been ne- doing negotiations. I, I believe I... If I have this correctly, I heard the president or maybe someone from the president's office say neither side got everything they wanted, right? And so what are some of the things that, I mean, and, and maybe I'm, if I'm phrasing this question wrong, just let me know. But, like, what are some of the things that you think had to be in this package and in this bill that's going to come before a vote and what are some of the things that both sides gave up? Because I think that's that's I think that's the part that gets mi- missed in the media. Like, okay, everybody gave up something, right? And I've been a part of those negotiations, both at the city, the county, and the state level here in Nebraska. And we've been talking about different bills, and everybody has to give up something. And no, we're not making everybody happy, uh, but at the end of the day, we're making something better than it could have been, right? I mean, that's the best way I can put it. So, what are some of those things that you think were important on the Republican side and on the Democrat side to keep in this bill? And what are some of the things that you've heard that have been, I'll say, given up to make the bill better? Well, the Biden administration didn't want any limit on any of its spending. And we are cutting spending for the first time in our nation's history year over year and a rollback of uh, discretionary spending to FY22 levels. We've also limited top-line federal spending to 1% annual growth for the next six years. Now, think about that for a second. In Nebraska, we have worked to have a balanced budget, and um, under Governor Ricketts, he started really imposing a 3% budget cap for everything that basically ran through the legislature. It has put Nebraska in a very good financial position. Limiting this spending to 1%, annually for the next six years is not something the Biden administration wanted to do. But it wasn't until the American people started paying attention that he finally knew he had to negotiate because his position was, we don't want to negotiate. The other thing that the Democrats really have to swallow hard on this is uh, the work uh, requirements. If you are an able-bodied adult and you are receiving federal or state assistance from a federal program, You have to go out and look for a job. You have to go get a job. If you can work, you have to work. And that was something that the other side didn't want uh, to have that conversation. And the fact that it's in here is really good. Now, when we passed the Limit Save Grow Act on the Republican side, yes, $4 trillion of savings over 10 years was the goal. We ended up with $2.1 trillion of savings. So uh, we didn't get everything we wanted. Um, But at the end of the day, we did get splashing the funding for Biden's new IRS agents that nixes the total FY23 staffing funding requests for IRS agents. That was something 
that I, I know I campaigned on. Um, we also, uh, you know, we're reining in executive branch over, overreach, which I didn't think we'd get, which means enact the law, the first ever statutory administrative pay-go to hold President Biden accountable for the full cost of executive rules and regulations, meaning that the president of the United States, no matter who he or she is, cannot put out an executive order that ends up costing taxpayers $300 million without first identifying where that money is going to come from and reducing it in another area, which I think makes a lot of sense. So uh, let's uh, get out the Congressman Mike Flood crystal ball here for a minute. Um, Do you feel that there's the support in Congress? Because, I mean, what we've heard, uh, I mean, through the media, and again, you've got to filter that through different lenses, I would say, but we're hearing that there's uh, Republican support, we're hearing there's Democrat support, and then we're hearing there's Republicans who don't support, and we're hearing that Democrats don't support. Um, how are you feeling, and what's what's the, I'll say, the tone and tenor like leading into this vote? Because as we record this, I think you're scheduled to vote here in the next 24 hours uh, on the debt ceiling. So what's what's the feel from Washington, D.C., Congressman? Well, I think there there are obviously theatrics on both sides at all times, and some of it performative and some of it is, uh, you know, well-intentioned and grounded and rooted in, you know, legitimate concerns. And I think that our conference, Republicans, are far more united than divided. One of the great things about this process that everybody, and then this is the best thing that's happened, is we put a we put a rule change in that this bill had to sit out on the internet for 72 hours before it was voted on. Under Nancy Pelosi, that would have been two hours. I was going to say that 72 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and everybody in America that wanted to got the chance to read this bill, and it's not thousands of pages. It's really not. And so I think uh, this has been a transparent, open process, and you know. We have to, we have to deal with these issues. Uh, I don't know in the next 72 hours exactly what the outcome will be. I know that people not getting their social security checks this month doesn't work for a lot of Americans. I know that uh, shutting down a VA hospital or not having enough money to run one, or uh, you know, a, a lapse in our ability to do what we need to uh, to fund uh, the U.S. military, these are unacceptable outcomes. I'm pleased we got where we got with the compromise that's on the table, understanding that we don't control the White House and we don't control the Senate. So at the end of the day, you have to you have to deal with the folks that are in charge. And the fact that we got as far as we did with uh, with Democrats whose position until recently was we're not going to negotiate, I think is a good outcome. Congressman, uh, just to have one question. I heard this uh, on another uh, TV network that put it in a little different perspective than I had had seen before, and that was what an uphill climb this was for the Republicans in this deal. And that is the fact that the Republicans control only one half of one third of the federal mm-hmm. bureaucracy. How do you how do you uh, see all of that? Well, it, you know, I what you said is exactly correct. You know. Uh, if I was in the legislature and 25 people didn't like what I was doing out of 49, I can guarantee I wouldn't pass my bill. 
Uh, it's just not going to happen. Uh, to be successful in the legislature or to be successful in Congress, you have to know where your conference is and you have to be able to articulate a vision and then negotiate with the White House. Ultimately, um, it would be very easy for Joe Biden. Uh, well, I don't know if it would be easy for him, but it would be it would be easy for uh, Joe Biden to, to throw cold water on a plan uh, just like it would be for the Republicans. Uh, but I think everybody here knew at the end of the day, we have to make sure that we pay the bills that we've already obligated ourselves to. Um, and we we can't let this date go by and not have a plan. And so at the end of the day, I think we acted responsibly and we charged forward with a plan that ultimately isn't perfect, but uh, I think makes some significant progress. Well, and I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head, and it was kind of the way I introduced this a little bit, was, you know, everybody has to give a little, everybody gets to take a little. And at the end of the day, you, you've come up with uh, with this, the negotiations between the Speaker and the President and through the caucus or the conference, excuse me, uh, to be able to come up with a bill. And so we'll be watching and uh, see how things go for you as you move forward in in. Uh, both your your bill uh, on the investment act and then also the uh, debt ceiling as we watch those here in the next few days. So uh, I really appreciate what you're doing and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on Lincoln Business Beat and and help us understand this a little better so we can share it with our listeners. Um, and I think you did a really good job of explaining just. You know, here's here's what we tried to do. Here's what we accomplished. Here are the things that are out there. And I think it's good to hear straight uh, straight from our representatives. So we appreciate you being a, a good friend of LIBA and the Lincoln Business Beat and your willingness to come on and, and visit with us today. Sounds great. You two have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Congressman. Good, uh, good luck as you move forward with your bill. Sounds good. But that was an interesting uh, look at how the sausage is made in it made a lot more sense that the sausage being made doesn't have to really be as ugly as we often find it to be, that uh, the work that's done in advance gets a lot accomplished. Yeah, I think, and, and I think the congressman gave us two great examples. Uh, first of all, the bill that he's uh, going through, but then also how things worked as they've navigated through this debt ceiling deal. And again, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the Lincoln Business Beat. Uh, when you're negotiating on bills like this and on things like this, you know, everybody's not going to always get what the, exactly what they want. And I think um, with this debt ceiling, you know, both sides got a little bit of what they wanted, but maybe not as much as they would have liked. And at the end of the day, I think you're going to see uh, people come together. And, and that's kind of what you hope to happen. Right. Um, it's not never I don't think there's ever a perfect bill. Uh, and so I think it's a way for them to negotiate and get to the process of where it needs to be. And I appreciate, I'll be honest, the transparency of, you know, the debt ceiling bill being out there for 72 hours before a vote and all those types of things and the negotiations. Those are the things you don't always see in the media, right? It's uh, it's sometimes a little different. You get talking points. Sometimes you don't see it in the media because the newsmakers are not uh, being forthcoming. Yeah. You know, sometimes the media does ask the question, yeah. as, as I can attest to, and we don't get any response or uh, yeah. the uh, it's just brushed aside. So, yeah, and uh, Congressman Flood's been a great, great supporter, and we appreciate him 
I mean, that's the, what, second or third time we've had him on the Lincoln Business Beat over the last year. So uh, really appreciate that. And, and the opportunity, I think, for our listeners, um, what I would say is I think the congressman did a great job of explaining both the the bill and the debt ceiling and both of those things. Share this with others so that they kind of understand what's going on. And it's not just about the three talking points you see from the talking heads when they appear on national media. It, there's, it goes a lot deeper. So I think it's a good explanation uh, to share with your friends. I'm reminded of an old saying that came from a, a centuries ago, a theologian, when we talk about who won, <clears throat> the Democrats or the Republicans on this. And, and it reminded me of that one that, you know, my way of doing it is better than your way of not doing it. <laughs> and at, at least at least it's moving forward, and hopefully we will not have the type of calamity that some had projected. Yeah, and hopefully we can get to the point where the American people win, and it's not about whether Republicans or Democrats win. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I think that's a good way to end, Mark. Be sure and share this uh, with your uh, friends. Share it on social media. We appreciate everybody that uh, spreads the word about the Lincoln Business Beat. This has been Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com.